everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. There are very few colleges out there that offer any type of program in e-commerce. So when you get a degree in marketing, you may not be thinking about e-commerce marketing. It's a very vast field, and that's just an example. These are positions of the future that I try to steer new grads into or those that are looking to make a career change because this is an incredible field. If you're looking for insights into the trends of the e-commerce industry, Look no further than Adam Rose, the Chief Talent Officer of e-commerce placement. Adam has had a long career as a recruiter, including the last decade at e-commerce placement, the company he founded to focus on the industry he believed was the future. That bet has paid off, and as the e-commerce industry has grown and changed, Adam has been in the middle of it all. What are the skills e-commerce platforms are looking for? Where are e-commerce leaders focusing their attention and investing in growth? How is consumer behavior leading the shifts we're seeing in the industry? And how can those working in the industry be successful using analysis of that behavior? Which industries and companies are emerging as big time players in the e-commerce landscape? Adam has the answers to all of those questions, and he shared them with us on this episode of Up Next in Commerce. Enjoy the discussion. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing, sales, and service. Deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel. Together, we're ready for what's next in commerce. Learn more at salesforce.com slash commerce. everyone. Welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles. And today I have Adam Rose on the show. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you. Really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here too. How did you first get involved in the world of e-commerce? What what led you to create this company? Uh, yeah, so uh, e-commerce placement, we are a leading e-commerce recruitment firm. And what we do is we work with online retailers, e-commerce technology companies, uh, really anyone that touches upon e-commerce. And we're recruiting across the full spectrum of e-commerce functional areas. So that's leadership roles, strategy and management, digital marketing across all channels, site merchandising, operations, analytics, logistics and fulfillment, creative technology, the entire gamut. And we've been doing this for 10 years. E-commerce, as you know, has been growing year after year. So we're just very fortunate to be in this space and, and one that's really interesting. I've actually been in recruitment my entire career. It is all I know and all I can do. (laughs) But uh, I went to school and I have a bachelor's degree from Rutgers in psychology and uh, realized I didn't really want to be a psychologist, but I minored in labor and employment relations, which is essentially HR. And uh, that got me into thinking about recruitment or HR as a career. And I ended up getting my master's in HR management at Rutgers as well. And when I got out of school, 
I started in more of a generalist HR role um, at a financial services company doing uh, benefits and compensation and recruitment. And the recruitment piece was what I really liked and decided that's what I wanted to stick with. So I was doing recruitment for several different financial services companies, uh, a little bit of pharmaceutical as well. And it wasn't until I landed a corporate recruiting position at Border Free that I got into e-commerce. And Border Free was a startup e-commerce software as a service company. And what they did was they allowed U.S.-based online retailers to sell their products overseas to international customers seamlessly, just like if they were here oh, within cool. the U.S. Yes. <laughs> and we had about 50 employees at the time when I joined, and I grew that company to about 350 before it was sold to Peyton Bowes, a much larger organization. Wow. Yes. Uh, but, it, but it was there that I saw that e-commerce was uh, a really hot industry, that folks were still figuring it out. It was a really cool industry if you're an entrepreneur, if you like startup environments, which I did, very different from financial services and pharmaceutical. Uh, And I saw that there was a huge need for e-commerce specific recruiting agencies out there. We were working with um, some of the larger recruitment firms that were just very generalist. They didn't focus in e-commerce, but they were trying to help us regardless. And uh, I saw that they just didn't have a good understanding of what we did, the types of candidates that we needed, where they'd be coming from, what they'll be doing. And after a while, you know, I said to myself that... uh, I could do that. I I see what these agency recruiters are doing on their end. And honestly, it seems better than what I'm doing on the corporate side because they're not having to deal with a lot of the paperwork that I have to do, a lot of the internal struggles that I have. And they were doing the best part of recruiting, in my opinion, which is just proactively going out there and sourcing top talent. And that's what got me into recruiting in the first place and got me excited about it. I think it's one of the most strategic parts of business is bringing in the right talent without that talent, your business may not be so successful. So that's really what got me thinking about making the switch. 10 years later, I'm really glad that I did. What we're really good at right now is just the fact that we've, over the past 10 years, we've built this huge e-commerce talent network. We have a proprietary database of candidates. We utilize LinkedIn, where we have a huge uh, network and following there. And uh, that's a differentiator that a lot of other recruitment firms don't have. And we're also building very long-term relationships with prospective candidates, following them throughout their career, just being there for them, regardless of whether or not we have opportunities for them and providing advice around their resume, around uh, their career goals. And playing the long-term game is, is, uh, in this business, I think, very important. Cool. Yeah, that's exciting. So how do you vet talent? Because it seems like, at least when I was at Google days, interview questions were kind of hard to rely on because people would get through and you'd be like, "Uh, how did you get here? I was like, (laughs) you definitely don't belong here. So what are some good tips that you could give to other e-commerce brands who are looking to hire? Like what kind of interview questions or tactics or strategies do you do to vet candidates to make sure that they're the right fit for the company and actually have the knowledge that's needed? Yeah. So so the first thing is that the company itself really has to have a good idea of what their needs are. And that's our job too, is working with them initially to make sure that we're all on the same page. And a lot of times our clients don't even have job descriptions created. And then we have to work with them directly to create that job description 
and make sure that everything's buttoned up so that when we are going out there and trying to identify the right candidate and speaking with them, we have a really good sense of what they're looking for. And I'm talking about what their day-to-day job looks like, the responsibilities, um, where these people should be coming from, and uh, what their soft skills uh, are needed for, for these positions, everything. And then we go out there and we take a look and, and do, do some research to, you know, what similar companies, what, what are some of the competitors out there that maybe we should be tapping into. Job titles may differ between organizations too. So we'll make a list of all the different job titles that could potentially match this position. Uh, and then uh, we'll do an extensive search on that end. And then once we get them on the phone, it's really just uh, conversational. We, we, we don't do very hard hitting questions. It, our goal is just to make sure that A, the candidate is interested, that this would be something that, that they could potentially see themselves doing in the future, and uh, that they also have the right skill set for it. And that comes out during a conversation when you're just asking them, you know, t- tell me a bit about your experience. Uh, walk through your background with me. Uh, do you have experience on this side of the business? And if not, you know, is that something that you think you could tackle in your next role? So it's really just getting to know the person. And then what we do is we send a summary of their experience, uh, their resume, their compensation expectations over to the client. And they decide from there whether or not they think this person might be the right fit and they'll get them on the phone and usually to do an initial phone interview and go from there. What we aim to do is is really focus on quality over quantity. There are a lot of recruitment firms out there that kind of give us a bad rap by sending over a hundred candidates for a position yeah. and hoping Here's people at Google yes, found that they're hoping, looking for work on LinkedIn. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And hoping that one of them sticks but, and they're just throwing them at the wall. But uh, we don't do that. We send over three, four, maybe five candidates. And these are all people that we feel you would at least benefit from by getting on a call with them. And our resume to hire ratio is insanely high. Our interview to hire ratio is insanely high. And we're really proud of that. That's awesome. So are there any skills that these e-commerce companies specifically are looking for that are hard to kind of find right now? Like, you know, there was a shortage in people who knew you know, engineers, always a shortage of engineers out here. But is there a skill where like all the companies want this right now? And if you had this skill, you would get scooped up, but I can't find it. You're totally right about engineering. Any technology position is incredibly valuable right now for e-commerce organizations. And that's everything from uh, engineering to product management, uh, which is a really interesting field for a lot of people to get into that really makes this business strategy and technology that I, I try to steal, steer people into because they're, they're always needed. And that's not actually a um, like a career path that you're told about in the early days. I no, know when no, none of these. I heard about like yeah. product management. I'm like, uh, what does that actually mean? And then hearing, well, you kind of should be a little bit technical, and you know, you should also have like a strategic hat on when you're thinking. I'm like, I've never heard of this when I, you know, came out of college. Why not? That's right. That's right. These are roles that people really just fall into, and that's across all of e-commerce. There are very few colleges out there that offer any type of program in e-commerce. So when you get a degree in marketing, you may not be thinking about e-commerce marketing. It's a very vast field. And that's just an example. These are positions of the future that I try to steer new grads into or those that are looking to make a career change because this is an incredible field. But getting back to your question, our hottest positions right now are anything related to Amazon. Uh, Companies are, are really doubling down on their Amazon business. 
and um, whether it be marketing or sales, channel management, Amazon is huge. It's it's the elephant in the room, right? It seems obvious, but when I hear that, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't think about getting you know hire like hiring for a role specifically focused on Amazon. But it makes yeah. sense. Amazon, other marketplaces, retailer.com channels. If you're a brand or a manufacturer of uh, products that are sold on. Uh, Overstock, Wayfair, Zulily, you need to, to manage your online sales strategy and execution on those sites. So there are roles that are specifically focused on, on doing that as opposed to their direct consumer channel off their own website. It's, it's a very vast and complex e-commerce industry. <laughs> yeah. Like how would someone develop skills for you know, an Amazon specific role? Because it seems like you would have to maybe be a seller on Amazon yeah. to know all the ins and outs. Like you would actually have to have been there, done that to be able to help another company? Yes. And um, part of what we get tasked to do is go out there and, and find individuals that have very relevant skill sets that can come in day one and hit the ground running. And that's what we're good at. But when I advise people on how to get that experience, you have to start small. You have to take on additional responsibilities. If you're in a direct-to-consumer role right now and you're a specialist, start taking on more general generalist responsibilities. Start dipping your feet into Amazon and just start asking questions and learn because this is the future and this is how you grow in your, in your e-commerce career. E-commerce is really cross-functional. You're going to you need to work with across all different departments, across marketing and merchandising and promotions and pricing and fulfillment, and no matter what role you're in. And you're going to have to deal with uh, e-commerce metrics and web analytics in almost every role that you're in. So that's another question I get for individuals that are looking to get into e-commerce and they don't know how to do it and they don't know how to differentiate themselves. Maybe they've been working on the retail side, the retail brick and mortar side, and they're seeing everything that's going on now. And they're like, oh, Adam, I really want to get into e-commerce. How do I differentiate myself? What do I do to, to get my foot in the door? And one of the things I always recommend is get certified in Google Analytics. It's free. Google they allow you to do this on their site. They have a program. And that's something that is incredibly important for you to know. Almost every company uses Google Analytics in some way, even if they do have a, a more sophisticated web analytics software. Uh, and it's free and you can put it on your resume and it's great to talk about during interviews. So things like that, I think, are, are really important. Got it. Well, how do you see the industry changing? It seems like e-commerce, of course, is changing really quickly. And when I think about like having... I mean, I love Google. I work there. But thinking of having like Google Analytics as like a certification, like what's next? Because I know at least on our side, like when it comes to marketing campaigns and things like that, like Google Analytics isn't somewhere that we utilize anyways, even though we're not e-commerce. Yeah. But I'm thinking about like what what's coming next after that? What are the next uh, platforms or tools or technologies or focus areas maybe that would come after that that someone could dive deep into along with Google Analytics? Because that, they are, of course, used by everyone in the industry, too. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And there, there are new platforms coming out all the time. There are platforms that are getting acquired left and right. There are tons of different marketing technologies out there, whether they're related to paid search or email marketing. What I find is that companies, for the most part, don't really care what you have experience in, as long as you have some sort of experience in these technologies, because you can pick it up. They're all, they're all, it doesn't take a, a genius to figure these out, but uh, it does take someone that has a, a digital mindset or somebody that mm -hmm. um, uh, really could 
tackle the complexities of these different programs. But if you've mastered one, it's really not that hard to, to master others. So yes, there are new platforms and new technologies coming out all the time, and, and you really should do your best to update your skill set. But um, from my perspective, companies, in terms of what they're requiring, it's, it's, you don't need to have experience across all of these different tools, which is good because how are you going to get your hands on Adobe Analytics if your company is not using yeah. it? It's, it's very difficult, right? I think it's important to demonstrate your ability to learn these new programs first and foremost. Yeah, completely agree. That's what we look for when, whenever I'm going through the hiring process here, I look for more of like, do you have the ability to learn something? Yes. And is there, do you have experience showing that you've tried new things and learned new things? You don't have to know exactly how to use, you know, Adobe Audition, but could you pick it up because you've tried it, you know, yes. a different tool? Yeah. Or something? It's a bit of a balance and sometimes a bit of a fight when we're working with our clients and they want skill sets that are so specific and experience that uh, is very specific to what they're doing currently where it's like, hey, do you, do you really need that? Or can this person learn that? And then they start thinking about it and we come to a, a bit of a compromise there. Cool. So I'm sure with all the companies that come to you for hiring right now, you might be seeing a different trend, whether maybe it's online grocery picking up and yeah. people asking you for help there. Do you, what industries do you see growing the fastest right now with everything going on? Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Online grocery is huge right now. And these are industries that were just novel. They were new. Um, online alcohol delivery, very new. Uh, and that has been uh, accelerated during the, during these current times. And uh, you look at um, pet food, you look at children's toys, you look at home improvement, furniture. Uh, these are areas that are doing very well, consumer health and beauty. We're working with clients that are in these spaces right now that their e-commerce volume is where they wanted it to be a year from now, but they haven't hired accordingly because who knew? And they're scrambling. And that's very common right now. Um, but they know that things are going to continue to spike even after everything's back to normal. And digital transformation is going to be accelerated more so than ever before. There's going to be increasingly heavy investments in e-commerce and omni-channel so we're in a, still in a really good spot. Everything is still really new. E-commerce as a whole is surprisingly a very small percentage of overall revenue for a lot of retailers. And uh, every point that jumps up is, is, is a lot uh, for these companies. And we're going to continue to see that. So think about online furniture where consumer behavior has just completely changed where in the past uh, people wouldn't do it. They wanted to go to a store and sit on a couch or try out a bed. Uh, and now you don't need to do that. Uh, people are way more comfortable shopping online for these types of products without ever seeing it, without ever feeling it in person. And we're going to see that across many industries at this point. Do you think things will stay the same post pandemic? Because some things I'm thinking like furniture anyways, I would still want to try out and sit. Whereas beds, yeah, I'm pretty used to buying a mattress and then being able to send it back. But furniture, you, a lot of companies anyways, you can't just send it right back. Are there certain industries that you think will kind of go through a dip period again after everything calms down and then maybe ramp back up? Or do you just think everything's going to stay um, elevated at where it's at now? Some of the elevation right now is severely ele elevated just because of everything that's going on. So we're going to, we'll see a dip for sure. But overall, across the board, I do think e-commerce activity is going to remain, the volume is just going to be ex extremely high. And to your point, um, with, you know, wanting to shop for a couch, but still sit on it. Yes, but companies are getting way better 
at returns, making that an easy process and deliveries. Uh, consumers are demanding faster and faster and they're expecting faster and faster deliveries and companies are, are really working on that. And there are a lot of vendors out there that are 3PLs and, and similar that are supporting them in getting those items out to these customers as fast as possible. And you're going to see an increase in online volume just due to the fact that it's, it's becoming much easier. The barriers are breaking down. Yeah, I just went to uh, order something off Amazon and I saw now that you don't have to bring a box back. You just bring it back to the UPS yeah. store and they'll ship it out with no box. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is awesome because that <laughs> yes. is actually what has held me up from returning things is not being able to find a box. Yeah, and, there you go. And being lazy. But yeah, I, I can definitely see a lot of industries changing and making that return process a lot more seamless. So then, you know, I will feel comfortable buying furniture or other things like that. That's right. Yeah, very cool. So. Do you see any um, technological patterns or trends coming down the pike that you're excited about because of this? Because I'm sure the underlying tech will have to change for a lot of yeah. these companies who, like you said, they weren't expecting this this year. They're maybe expecting a year or even five years down the line. Yeah, I'm a bit of a technology nerd, especially consumer technology, right. just uh, personally. And what had really excited me prior to the pandemic was everything that was going on uh, in regard to augmented reality and virtual reality and e-commerce. That was another field that was kind of teetering. We didn't know if it was going to be successful. We didn't know yep. if that was going to be adopted. But now with people not going into stores as much, it makes a lot of sense. If you want to uh, see what your beauty product looks like on you without even going into a store and you are able to do that just by holding your phone up, that is amazing. You can see your different hair colors. You can, going back to furniture, you can place that furniture in your room using your phone without even uh, going into a store to see it. So there's a lot of really neat things that they can do on that AR, uh, VR side that uh, can make customers a lot more comfortable shopping online than ever before. Yeah, no, that, that's a really exciting space right now. Have you seen companies embracing that now? Companies who were not embracing it before actually starting to think about embracing it now because it still feels like a field that feels a little bit hard to break into right now because it's like, what tech do I need? How do I even get started? It is very, very new. And I think that most companies that are thinking about it are mostly in just the very early development stage where they're talking about it. They're putting in into some, uh, some strategic plans, but still need to, to work out the kinks. There are very few companies that do it right right now, but I, it's, I think, an interesting field to watch. I'm still trying to think about, too, how like the difference between how a company can use AR versus VR. Because VR feels easier to me because you're you're in that world and you know things don't have to be perfect. Yeah. But AR still has to be perfect. So I'm trying to think about at least when we were trying to get things to work on Google Maps in an AR version. And it was really hard. I mean, it would snow in Zurich and then the whole entire map <laughs> would go down and someone would change like a piece of a building and put a sign on it and then like the localization would be wrong and then it'd go down again. So I'm trying to think about like, yeah, which one would come first or maybe at the same time. So it's certainly not perfect, and the technology is getting better every year. VR is very expensive. You need to have a complete headset, and uh, there are not a lot of freestanding headsets either, so it needs to be connected to a computer, as far as I'm aware. AR is a lot easier. You can utilize your smartphone, and uh, the technology is uh, a little bit more limiting, but uh, it does allow you to do a lot more with it. 
so I think companies are probably better off investing in augmented reality to start, seeing how that goes, because consumer adoption of virtual reality headsets is just not there yet. But everybody has a smartphone. Yeah, agree. And I think I just saw maybe magically they're I mean, other than having to lay off a bunch of people, they're shifting to enterprises now. And yeah, not that's be right. Focusing on consumers. So I also wonder if there's going to be a hiccup there with the companies who were producing, you know, the big headsets that were more expensive, if they're going to be there after all this. Yeah, for consumers, I'm not really sure. Uh, but but other industries, uh, you know, for the medical field, I could imagine Magic Leap being huge, right? Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of potential there. And we'll we'll see how it grows on the consumer side. Are there any industries in e-commerce that you're most excited about right now, other than the ones that you're, you know, that are popping up now, but before all this started, yeah. were there industries that you were, you know, focused in on? It's interesting. When we first started, our business was very much comprised of fashion apparel companies, consumer electronics companies. It wasn't until the past two, three years that CPG companies started investing very heavily in e-commerce. They were a little bit late to the game and they realized it. They started figuring out e-commerce and we're talking food and beverage companies. We're talking consumer health companies. They are now, it's very exciting times for them where they're figuring out direct to consumer, they're figuring out marketplace, they're figuring out retailer.com. And they have very large, complex businesses. A lot of these are very omni-channel too, where they have uh, stores and they're incorporating their mobile application into their omni-channel strategy. So we're working with a ton of these. And, and I think that the, the opportunity there is really interesting as they really focus more on the customer journey as well, that they can't, the customer, if you're going into a store, you don't really have the ability to customize uh, an experience for that customer as they walk into a store and look at your product on the physical shelf, but on a digital shelf, you can do that. So there, there's a lot of opportunity there for emerging CPG companies to provide a really uh, interesting customer journey to their experience that they otherwise couldn't. And that is beneficial if, if your product is uh, subscription-based, right? How do you, how do you yeah. maintain loyalty in a, in a subscription environment? How do you differentiate yourself from uh, a lot of other CPG brands out there, maybe even ones that compete on price? Uh, so these companies are, are really trying to figure it out and hiring very large e-commerce teams to do so. So for us, it's been a lot of fun working with them. And for candidates, it's if you want to work in a very entrepreneurial startup-like environment, but still for a very large company that has a ton of resources to make it successful, CPG is yep. the way to go. And that's the most fun when you have resources to actually try something, but still get to be scrappy. Yeah, yeah, a little, little less risky, but still you, you get the benefits of that startup environment. Yeah, no, that's, that's fun. Are there any companies that you either hear your clients looking to as like leaders to watch or that you advise them like, hey, you should check out maybe this company because they're, you know, a leader with this, this and this. Like, is there anyone that we should look to to either mimic or follow? Everybody wants to be the, the, the next cool startup uh, in e-commerce. Yeah, and yeah. everyone's like, you know, we want to be the next Casper. Or we want to be the next Dollar Shave, Club. Dollar Shave Club or Harry's or whatever it might be. So, yeah. but this is, this is where you have to level set with early stage startups and entrepreneurs. They, they think many times that they're going to be able to acquire top talent just because their idea is so cool. And that's often not the case. And they're 
oftentimes looking to pay them uh, more heavy on, on the equity side than base compensation. And uh, they think that because their idea is so cool that people are going to see the potential in this and that's going to be okay for them. Truth is, that's not the case. Uh, that if you're an early stage startup or an entrepreneur, you have to pay market rates. You just do. That's the only way to be competitive. If you want top talent in the marketplace, you're going to have to do that on top of providing equity. So we have to level set sometimes and make sure that they understand that. And, uh, and it's a challenge, but um, you're talking about their baby when you do that. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but that's just what we see in the marketplace. Yeah. Very cool. Have you seen um, like salaries grow over the past 10 years yeah. when it comes to what people are willing to pay e-commerce uh, talent? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, e-commerce is, um, it, it pays well. It does um, because you're, this is a huge revenue area for companies. They have a lot at stake here. And these are roles that are highly uh, specialized and there's not a huge talent market out there. If you want to remain competitive, you have to pay highly competitive rates. So companies know this, they get it, they understand it. We work with companies that are based outside of major cities, but for their, their e-commerce talent, they really want to pay city rates, city market rates just to remain competitive. And for not just acquisition, but for retention too, they don't want them jumping to another company. And this is going to be a significant factor uh, going forward too, uh, with all these companies investing heavily in e-commerce and e-commerce teams growing and every company looking to hire e-commerce talent. How do you remain competitive? And that is first and foremost, in my opinion, compensation. And then companies are going to have to start thinking about remote or flexible work arrangements, because this is what everybody wants. Uh, yeah. People reach out to me daily asking me if we have remote opportunities. This was before everything happened. And now I think that this is going to be front and center of people's minds and, and on their wish list going forward. And companies are either going to need to adjust to this or be okay with losing out on top talent. Yeah. And I think this might have been a good forcing function to get those companies to a place where they feel more comfortable. So. As long as they see good results while people have been working from home now, I could see some companies seeing bad results and some seeing good ones. So maybe it depends. <laughs> it's tough because I, I'd hate for them just to base it on this time right now because it is such yeah. it is such an unprecedented time that people are their kids are home. It is uh, very difficult to get things done and have to figure out uh, how to work remotely, maybe when they have it in the past. And it's just a very unique environment right now. Test it when everyone's back at work, you know, and, and uh, things are a bit back to normal. That I think would be the true test. Yeah. Have you seen any of your clients adapting quickly to try and create good work from home yeah. type opportunities where maybe they're like, okay, I'm going to, sh you know, shift that job rec to be remote now instead? Or are they a little bit slower with that? Certainly a lot of our clients have said, okay, this is, this is the, 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 the final straw. We don't, we don't, we're going to, these roles are going to be remote. Don't worry about having um, people work in house for this or, or on site. But what's happening now is that everything is remote. Candidates are being interviewed over the phone and over Zoom. They're being hired over Zoom. They are getting onboarded over Zoom. They're going through orientation over Zoom. So everything is virtual. And it's a learning curve for everybody. It's a learning curve for these companies. It's a learning curve for candidates. I've had people, I've had candidates that had to do 
presentations, interview presentations over Zoom. And that's Mm-hmm. Very unique and different, and they're awkward. Very awkward. There's a lot of there are a lot of new challenges there. That, that it's like, are you laughing over there? Oh no, you're just frozen. Okay. Oh, awkward. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So we're all figuring this out at the same time, and um, I think that uh, in a, in a more normal environment, that uh, companies will see that this is this is the future. You can't stop it. All right. So in the towards the end of the interview here, we do this thing called a lightning round sponsored by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. It's where you can quickly answer whatever comes to mind and you have one minute and you have about five questions here. Okay. Are you ready, Adam? I am ready. Okay, I'll start with the easier ones first and then we'll have a harder one last. (laughs) Since uh, we were talking with you and our producer, Hillary, that it's lunchtime for you guys, what's up next for lunch? Oh, so I am a big granola fan and I will eat granola for every meal of the day. And that's what I will probably hit up for lunch. (laughs) Yum. I haven't heard your, I haven't heard your stomach rumbling yet. (laughs) What's up next on your Netflix or Hulu queue? Ah, interesting. Uh, I have had Ozark on there, the new season for a long time. I just have not had the opportunity to watch it. Um, but that is oh. a really interesting show, and um, and, I, and I've been looking forward to it. What's up next in your travel destinations once COVID nineteen's over? When you are allowed to travel? Oh man, I just I can't wait to get out of the house. That's, that's first and <laughs> first and foremost. But yeah. uh, assuming we can get out this summer, uh, Maine has been our favorite destination for summer trips. Ooh. We go to Portland, Maine. Love it there. The restaurants are fantastic. It's on the water. There are tons of parks to go to. Uh, we bring our kids, our dogs, and the whole family goes and just they have a great time. So I'm hoping we can still get there at some point. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds really pretty. What's up next on your reading list or podcast list other than this podcast uh, or Audible? Yeah, yeah. So um my favorite podcast um, uh, probably have to be How I Built This with Guy Raz. So mm-hmm. I listen to that pretty religiously. And I, I love hearing stories of these entrepreneurs and how they get started and um, what they did to scale and the challenges that they did face. And, um, and one of my favorite questions that Guy likes to ask is, how much of your success can be attributed to luck? And surprisingly, almost everybody says a lot. And I find that yeah. just really interesting. And again, we talk about being in the right place at the right time. and I think that's really interesting. Of course, you make your own luck by getting yourself out there and uh, and working hard, but, uh, but luck certainly is a big factor. Oh yeah, completely agree. A lot of the reason we're here is because of luck for sure. Yeah. And timing and yeah, being like, whoo, glad that, you know, that happened when it did, because if not, we might not all be at this company right now. That's so, right, that's right. Yeah, completely agree. All right, the harder question, in your opinion, what's up next for e-commerce pros? We're going to be seeing a lot of activity, a lot of... Um, companies doubling down on e-commerce, like I mentioned, and what they're going to be looking for are people that can understand the entire e-commerce ecosystem. And that may be everything from retail brick and mortar to uh, omni-channel to direct e-commerce. Companies are going to look for people that can integrate their strategies and everything is becoming more integrated. There may not be different channels anymore and they're all blending together. So for people that understand the business, that is going to be critical for these companies. And that's where you should be really focusing on your skill set. If you're a specialist right now, start start learning outside of your box and start thinking about the business and how it operates and how everything ties together, because that's what's going to be most important. Love it. Great answer. All right. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Adam. This is fun. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. 
Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.